you are listening to Kubernetes Bytes, a podcast bringing you the latest from the world of cloud-native data management. My name is Ryan Walner, and I'm joined by Bob and Shaw, coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts. We'll be sharing our thoughts on recent cloud-native news and talking to industry experts about their experiences and challenges managing the wealth of data in today's cloud-native ecosystem. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, Paul, welcome to Kubernetes Bytes. We're here live at uh, your baby here, uh, DevOps Days Boston. So please introduce yourself for everybody listening and who you are and what you do. Sure. Thank you, Ryan and Bobbin. And thank you uh, to the listeners. My name is Paul. Bruce, I am one of the organizers for DevOps Days Boston for about um, five years now. Uh, we also have a nonprofit behind that. We're liability shield and stuff like that. Sure. And yeah. I'm on the board there. And I run the monthly meetup. And uh, one of the other organizers is also the moderator of that with me. So it, it is our baby. Right? <laughs> that's we true. That's are, true. I, I, yeah. <laughs> but very much so. It's it's a labor of love. It's, it's a lot of effort. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Right. Because um, there's a phrase, if you've ever heard the bring the pain forward. Yep. You know, like uh, I think it's great to to be able to come to a community yep. and get value out of it. And there's very few people who understand how much effort it takes to do sure. that. And, yeah. you know, like sometimes you're overthinking things and it's kind of toilsome, but even a lean, simple community, um, a really thought through community, I don't use the word lightly. Sure. Right. Like I read and listen and talk with other people, other organizers of not just DevOps days, but other events and other meetups. Yeah. And I really care about what it really means to be a community. And like that book, Art of Community, um, says uh, it's a, a group of people that have a mutual interest, but also care for each other. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, earlier this year, I was out at Dallas Ace Prague. Um, <clears throat> I know some of the other the organizers there, um, and they invited me out to speak about how we came back after COVID, uh, around from the COVID times. Um, in this event, because this is the second year that we're in person back in the place that we were right. 2019 and 18 and so, right. and so forth. That's right. yeah. This is like the 11th time we've been doing this. Oh, yeah. wow. Well, my fifth time, but like it's a thing. And when you realize that there's value to a thing, you don't want to see it just evaporate or disappear. So over the past five years, I have um, seen more and more value. And the more effort I put into it, the more value I get out of it. Personally, yeah. Not as much professionally, but really, it's a personal thing. Um, I've also learned how difficult it is to help uh, facilitate, I won't say sure. manage, yeah. but facilitate um, the life cycle of volunteer effort. Sure. Volunteer effort mm -hmm. is not something you pay somebody for, and then you can be like, you're not doing your job, <laughs> right? It's variable. It's highly variable. Like Eliot Goldratt would say, variation right, is part of a systems thinking process and mm -hmm. the systems thinking on community, volunteer community, is that we need to make it easy for people to um, enjoy, also participate, 
provide some value in, the value get out is largely value, value you put in, to do that in a way, and I find myself thinking about that life cycle largely almost like, um, like school, right? Sure. So like there's um, matriculation, there's retention, and there's attrition. I mean, there's also business models that like you care about those things, right? Um, renewals and stuff like that, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. but, so it's present, but how is that present in volunteer stuff? Somebody has to care about that. And again, I could be the only one doing that, but that that's not good because yeah. I might have to attrition. Yeah. Life events happen, mm -hmm. right? We have to be able to um, help each other how much we can, when we can, and when we can't, that ha has to be okay too. Yeah. So life cycle wise, I was trying to come up with some analogy about Kubernetes and like <laughs> the pain and suffering I've gone through with o trying to get OIDC working in AWS two yeah. years ago, and yeah. maybe it's gotten better, but like, you know, you don't, you wouldn't build something super bespoke, which quite frankly, all Kubernetes is bespoke at the end of the day, <laughs> no matter how hard you try to make it, you know, the yeah, same nice, and yeah. consistent and stuff like that. Um, but if you've ever tried to hook up account lifecycle stuff, into the infrastructure that's oidc open id connect in AWS. so i was trying to come up with this analogy of like but what does that mean for community and so sure. i've now described what i think from a life cycle perspective making it easy for people to be part of a community and contribute to that yeah. right and the connector really is we've got this cool bespoke thing in boston uh, there's a lot of other communities or sort of just meetups or whatever it is right in all other places but to connect people to what they can do and what they're passionate about and what what they enjoy i, I wouldn't expect people to put effort in if they're getting no enjoyment out of it yeah right um one a, 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 um, a measure of a simple measure that you might use for people uh, i use for myself is um am i getting Am I getting more value out than I'm putting in? Sure. Now that's tricky because I tend to give more a lot than in, I yeah. get, but it, it's it's just nice to step back and you know one day it might be one thing, another day, one week, another week you might have different levels of this, but like taken as an aggregate or a distribution over time, that seems to be happening here. Yeah. Right. Do, now this is DevOps Days Boston, mm -hmm. but obviously you know you go to other conferences as an attendee as well. Mm -hmm. Do you think it changes your perspective on what you get out of other events because you've helped organize this one? Oh, for sure. <laughs> like the first <laughs> thing I do is I find organizer, staff, volunteers, yeah. even, even contracted service yeah. folks, and I'm thinking them more than I'm spending time talking to the other attendees. You know what sure. I mean? Like yeah. Because I know that every, whether people need it or not, whether they know they need it or not, it doesn't hurt to be kind. Yeah. It doesn't hurt to give a little kindness out into the world. Yep. Right. We we even have a wall over here where it's like, you know, love and uh, appreciation. Yep. Yeah. And I, like I that. got that from going to KubeCon of all places. Um, I think it was in 2021. It was like, it was in 
LA, I think. LA, yeah. yeah. Yes. And like when uh, they used to do it in warm it places. It was in the venue that could host like 10, 15,000 people. Yeah. I think there was like two or 3,000 people yep. there. Yeah, that was the sad one. Yep. That's right. I didn't go to that one. <laughs> However, right, yeah. it was an attempt and we knew we would, yeah. they knew they had to get back into it. We yeah. knew that last year. We tried to do both a virtual version and an in-person version right, right. out of yeah. COVID times. <laughs> and that that was that was really tricky. But um, this year we just decided, like, let's focus on the in-person stuff. Yeah. And we've, like, last year to this year, we grew it more than 150, 170%. Oh, wow. So people are coming back out. Right. And we right. are able to have open spaces in the way that really is powerful. Um, not that it's impossible virtually. It's just... Yeah. But learning things from other conferences, that was one of those yeah. things that at KubeCon was like this big wall of love. Yep. Yeah. Um, ours is the cheap version, which is like, you know, the post-it uh, cardboard. It's still you love. Know, it's still love. Know. You know? <laughs> uh, and, and every time I walk by that, you know, there's another post-it on there. Yeah. It means somebody answered the call. Yeah. Even if it's just writing something nice on a post-it, that is putting value into somebody else's life. And you don't have to measure you don't have to know where that thing goes. Yeah, so sometimes it helps. But before you mentioned that a common interest isn't just enough for a community, is it those types of things, putting a post-it on the wall, that makes a difference in sort of what people are getting out of a community, what they're giving to that community as well? Like mm. a common interest around technology or just DevOps in general. If that's not enough, what what is enough, right? What is enough? <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, we should roll back and actually ask the question, what is DevOps? Yeah. I'm just kidding. We're not well, we, could, we could spend another hour and a half probably. Yeah. yeah. For me, and this is what I said at Prague, um, I, they were kind enough to invite me out there and I talked about what it was like to regrow a community after the things happened. Um, and one of the specific points I was trying to make there was it's a question that we work out together. Now, it's very vague in general. Can we apply that to DevOps? Yes. Can we apply that to community? Yes. Can we apply that to the value of Post-it somewhere that you you don't have any way to measure how many other people yeah. benefited from that? That's not the point. Take that moment. You have moments in your life where you can just be like, okay, life doesn't fully suck. <laughs> Things are going okay today. Sure. I have a nickel's worth of patience. I have a nickel's worth of kindness that I can spend on somebody else and I don't have to know who that is. Mm -hmm. So we also do, we, so there's a lot of little things around the conference. The The conference goers definitely come for the down to earth talks like Pete Cheslock and yeah. all the rest of the speakers, like really asking that question, you know, putting some statements out there, but then driving to the open spaces. And over five years, I've realized as much as, <clears throat> as much as I love presentations and making sure that people are getting value out of those, and I love our speakers so much, mm -hmm. right? Um, the bigger value of this conference is being able to sit with other practitioners and ask the question and then say the things that you maybe can't say to your boss. Yeah. Or maybe you do and they largely get ignored. Or maybe it's, maybe you're trying to work that out at work, right? Big organizations, small startups, it doesn't matter. But like having another um, mechanism, mm -hmm. vehicle, to be able to work that out for yourself and work it out together. The community is like a puzzle that we put together. Together. Nice. Right? right. 
it's like that family time you put all the puzzle pieces down you flip them over yeah. you everybody's around doing yeah. their own part picking their own corner yeah, yeah. Like we put that together and it's gonna end up being this bespoke interesting little thing different in every city just like the kubernetes clusters right? <laughs> but connecting that to the way that people can can actually contribute in the most meaningful way yep um here's one in may a new meetup member we do the meetup every month yep. i make sure that happens consistency um one of the new members at the end of it was like oh so there's leftover food what are you going to do with it i was like well probably we'll put it in the fridge for the next you know next day's staff or whatever and she said why don't we donate it um i was like oh. <laughs> yeah I missed that, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't a lot of food because it's just a meetup for, and I capped sure. like 25 people. Yep. <laughs> first come, first serve. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then I started thinking, okay, if I was going to do this, how do I do this legally, safely? Right. I started doing the engineer thing and making sure I'm, you know, get a- Break into smaller yeah, pieces. Surround, yeah, yeah. surround myself with context. Mm -hmm. But it was a trigger to make me ask the question, what is the context I need to do this? And so that led me to understand that the food out there, though, I'm not a big fan of bagged lunches, yep. like a sandwich and a cookie in a bag. We could probably do better with hot plates and stuff. That is completely compatible. Yep. It increases the compatibility of being able to donate this food afterwards because there are people who are hungry tonight. Yeah. And that matters a lot to me. And individually, they can have. So that's the value I get out. So I'll, I'll do the extra little bit of work here and there to figure out. And, and then uh, the now volunteer right now part of our community is here making sure that that happens every night yeah. so that valuable to her yep. valuable to me we'll figure out how to how to do that yeah. and do well by others too yeah i was just speaking with uh kevin Schuneman, um mm -hmm. and he's one of the volunteers here yeah. yesterday and uh, i caught him towards the end of the day and he goes i'm gonna go help donate this food yeah. um so you know uh, he was excited to do that i think he he appreciates that this organization yeah. thinks about those things and then he can give back that way too. Right. Yeah. So it's nice to hear. Yeah. And, um, sorry. Ahead. I just wanted to like show my appreciation, right? Like this is my first DevOps race Boston. And I really like the balance that you have been able to achieve. Obviously we can always make it better year over year, but the talks that you have in the morning that led to the open spaces, I see a lot of practitioners in the room mm -hmm. actively taking notes, right? Yeah. Bringing out their notebooks and like writing things down because they, they caught, something that can help them in their day job. And yeah, I've been to other conferences where it's a lot of vendor pitch and people are just checked out, but yeah. no, people here are really engaged, which is awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I think, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I think the, the other part of this too is because it's volunteer and we're not looking to make money yeah. on this thing, right? Um, we have a financial plan. We have somebody who knows how to make a financial plan and keep us to it. Yeah. And then when we make that, we're not trying to make even more money like for what we need to put down payments next year for things at certain times to make this happen but this is in service of that goal not money as a yeah. goal now there are other conferences that actually pay people and there are paychecks that have to be made and you want people to not you know to be paid well right so there's business models around that and that's fine but that is going to gravitate towards very vendor specific, yep. uh, very sponsor, like just cater to sponsors, leads. We don't do, in DevOps um, globally, we don't do lead scanning. 
right? Like badge yeah. scanning, leads. We're not. It's a PII liability, quite frankly. And that's fair. And yeah. we're not trying to make m so much money. Yeah. So um, the sponsors who are here, and thank goodness for them, because we wouldn't be able to put this on just by what ticket sales. Yep. Which we want to keep as cheap as possible, so that more people can, and not just people who have been here for many years, which there are. This is the first year where we're doing an intro track, mm -hmm. because another organizer was like, yeah, so there's a lot of people who need to learn about DevOps, and isn't that the point? Yeah. <laughs> who are these people? Not people who have been doing this for four or five years yeah. and very interested in burnout because you only get there after about <laughs> after a certain amount of time in your career. That's, that's, yeah. that's when you've yeah. earned burnout, so to speak. What about the people who are just getting started yeah. out of boot camps? And so we've been donating and, and working with local charities and, and boot camps uh, for many years now. Um, to encourage their good work, but there is a gap. And this is one of the things that we, I think we want to do and figure out both at the board level, but also, you know, the, the organizing community of both this event and the meetup and who come, we want to figure out how to help get somebody who has just exited an educational moment, mm -hmm. but has no experience. And yeah. I couldn't hire them. You know, I would love to, mm -hmm. but, you know, legitimately, you need experience. And yeah. so how do you get that if you don't have that? That's a problem. Yeah. And that's something that I think we can help solve. We can help them to solve. We can help us to solve. We um, I, Yesterday I was up in the, the main area there, and I was, spoke, I was speaking to a student from Northeastern. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I'm here to, to really to learn. Right. And uh, we also just spoke to Alex, one of the yep. speakers. And while he was a speaker, he also said, I'm here to learn. Right. Mm -hmm. He said, I'm here to learn from the attendees and the open spaces. And and so I think it's a common element, whether you're here as a student or someone who's breaking yeah. into this world or someone who's actively working on this stuff, but is feeling like they could get a lot more out yeah. of, yeah. you know, speaking to people here. And, and open spaces does bring a lot to the table there. And I know you were actually not so familiar, so it yeah. might be helpful to explain a little bit about what an open space is at a conference like this to someone or a listener who hasn't been to one. Sure. There is an official short version, but this is my even shorter version. Okay. Um, people propose topics, um, and then we figure out how to put that topic in a particular room at a particular time, create a quick schedule. This is also called unconference, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. And then the people who want to talk about that thing go there for a certain amount of time. They talk how they want to talk. It's facilitated. I, I particularly think open space should be facilitated because, you know, somebody like me could go on and on <laughs> and on yeah. and not even realize it's been five minutes yeah. or 10 minutes. Right. So sometimes it's just as easy as saying, cool, who else has thoughts, you know, and just yeah. bouncing the football to somebody else so that we all get to um, opt into the, amount of contribution that we want to but mm -hmm. that there is space and opportunity to do that because mm -hmm. you know a talk is a mostly a one-way even with q a it's kind of a one-way mechanism which is fine right that's yep. the point this is very multi-directional the open spaces are yeah um so that's effectively what open spaces is Great. Um, talk, yeah. talk amongst yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that. It's it's often you go to a talk and you also want to speak to that person who just presented the topic, mm -hmm. and it's hard to track them down sometimes, mm -hmm. right? It's an open space. Is you're you're kind of like everyone can be that speaker, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone can, and and 
you know, obviously there's going to be people there that are here to sort of be a fly on the wall because that's how they learn, right? Yep. And so that's okay as well because, you know, I think if you have a, a majority of that room that's going to chime in, then yep. hopefully that's helpful to everybody. Yeah. Um, well, um, we're, we're at the 20-minute mark, so, you know, <laughs> as you were talking about that, uh, we don't want to take more of your time. We appreciate you coming down here letting us do our thing here. Um, and obviously, um, you know, you and the rest of the organizers, thank you from us and yeah. uh, uh, looking forward to the rest of the show. Yeah, yep. cheers. Thank you. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, welcome to Kubernetes Bytes. We're live here in DevOps Days Boston. Please introduce yourself and for our audience. Uh, hi, I'm Don Lucchini. I'm one of the organizers of DevOps Days Boston. I've been organizing the event with a handful of other folks who, you know, we uh, filter in and out every couple of years. I've been doing it for about six. Uh, it's honestly one of the most rewarding things that I've done in the Boston community uh, because it, for me in 2017, was almost like a career springboard. Okay. It was a great way to get out into the community, to get recognized, to get your face out, to get sort of the thought leadership going, if you will. Uh, and what I've since realized is it's a really good way to get people into the community, too. Like, I'm sure. happy that uh, this year we have a whole bunch of uh, new volunteers and new organizers that are new to our community. And this is a great way to get them to contribute, too. Yeah, likewise. Well, speaking of career, what do you do besides in your, your day job, I guess <laughs> I should say? Yeah, uh, I wear a lot of hats in my day job. Okay. I work for a, a company called Abacus Insights. We're uh, local to Boston. We're a healthcare tech company. Okay. Uh, my title is principal software engineer. Okay. It, it means a lot of things, but uh, I want to <laughs> say I spend my time roughly split, I don't know, half and half, maybe 70, 30 between uh, individual contributor work and uh, architectural guidance for a new platform. Okay. That's gotcha. awesome. Yeah. So Don, you said you have been doing the, the DevOps community for more than six years. Mm -hmm. What does DevOps mean to you and, and what does this community, how does this community come together? No, I love this question because yeah. uh, it's all, honestly the ultimate interview question. Yeah. It's a great way to weed people out. Uh, a lot of people say, well, it's tools. Yeah. A lot of people say, well, it's process. I think it means something very different to every company. Mm -hmm. It really is dictated, at least in a company-by-company -company basis, by what is the company looking for. There are some companies that say, we do DevOps, but I want an ops team. Is it DevOps? In my opinion, no, but to them it is. Yeah. Uh, when I think of it, I'm thinking most more about process changes than I am technology. The tools are things that enable you to uh, make the process changes, but they are not. We are not a tool community, even though we have a lot of tools. I'm seeing. I thought that was the DevOps periodic table behind me. It's a seat map, <laughs> but just the fact that it has so many little squares is uh, telling enough. That would be well placed, I would say. <laughs> So um, you've been doing this for three years. Um, I guess, how has it changed? How have you seen this? Because a lot has happened in three years, let's mm. be honest, right? So you've been through sort of, I think, big changes. So I, I'd like your perspective there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I actually joined the Boston DevOps community back in 2013. And in 2013, the word no one knew what the word DevOps meant. Nobody. Yeah. I think it's a better understood problem now where somebody can go bootstrap a DevOps organization and understand how to get there. 
But in 2013, no one knew that. What was also neat, though, is that we had no secrets. Everyone was willing to learn from everyone else. Yeah. And because of that, we had a cult. We created for ourselves a culture of sharing. I remember very, very distinctly in 2013, we had a monthly meetup talk where 250 people packed into an auditorium to learn about how to use S3 to store files. Oh, wow. And there are no more little quick wins like that. (laughs) (laughs) I think uh, prior to the, that that was when we were at our biggest, that community, uh, that we kind of, you know, slid in terms of number of people. Uh, for the monthly meetup that's attached to DevOps Days Boston. Uh, prior to the pandemic, we had, you know, maybe 70 to 100 people every month. Uh, post-pandemic, we've got about 30 to 40 a month. Mm-hmm. What's interesting about that is the transition from going uh, pre to post was people are working from home now, and the value prop is no longer just stay two hours downtown yeah. for to go learn. It's come downtown after you've worked all day to yes. learn. And no one really wants to do that unless they're either that's very close point. or very into learning. Yep. <laughs> no, that, that's my dilemma. Like, I live in Arlington. I was like, oh, I, lo- I really want to go to this meetup, but is it worth the 45-minute drive? <laughs> oh, it, it's worth it. You should come. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Don, again, DevOps, right? Like, you gave a good description about it. Like, how does that change or evolve into platform engineering? I know we hear a lot of noise around platforms, platform teams, platform internet development platforms, how does that relate to DevOps? I think platform engineering, at least to me, is a particular brand of DevOps. It's one that's easier to package and sell. Because what we can do with platform engineering is we can say in a in a company with some organizational maturity already, we can turn them loose on a platform that allows them to go rapidly, build and rapidly iterate a thing that's mostly correct. In a small organization like mine, though, I'm actually not making a lot of tech changes. I'm making mostly process changes. And platform engineering isn't a process change so much as it's an entirely different tech stack with a lot of automation in front of it. So while I see it as a branch of it, I see them as more complementary or more as uh, sort of two parallel things than at odds with each other like a lot of others do. Gotcha. And when you said what you do for work, you said principal software engineer. I know that's not just writing code, but how internally, right, at work, since you're not not from a vendor side, Mm -hmm. How does platform engineering work? Like, are you building your own platforms? Are you helping out? Do you have a platform team right now? Uh, we're actually very small. Uh, okay. So we have probably 17, 18 engineers. Okay. Uh, we are not actively building out a platform team or platform engineering. Uh, where we are, we are actually building a completely brand new product. Uh, it's hard, I think, to... I think it's a little bit putting the cart before the horse to build out platform engineering for a brand new product because it feels very startup-y again. And if you are a if you are a tiny startup, you should not be doing platform engineering. That's kind of where we are. We do not have anything to iterate, or I shouldn't say that. We don't have something to iterate on in a microservice way yet that we should be deploying components and components and components. We need a small set of components. We need the monorepo. We need yeah. that's what we need right now. Yeah, you don't we have, haven't gotten to that point yet. You don't have enough parts to choose a, a golden path or build that golden path. You just figure exactly. Well, out, yeah. I wouldn't say that we don't have golden paths. It's yeah. that the golden paths are still very highly integrated. Okay. Uh, I can give without leaking too much uh, detail of how our product works. Uh, we have one large Terraform repo that's starting to break off into a couple just based on the way that the work the the work is being done. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have one primarily or primary application repo that is still one primary application repo. I think there is a push now that we're integrating with a third party vendor uh, who's doing some of the work for us to split that off into okay. its own thing, and that's the first time we've done anything like that, and that was mere weeks ago. Maturity wise, we're just not there yet. Yeah. 
So if we were at a point where we we're saying we're creating, you know, new infrastructure components every week, then it would make sense for us to do a platform engineering initiative. But right now, not so much. It begs the question, too, because I've, I've heard platform engineering be categorized as sort of a subcategory, sort of to DevOps, as also an evolution, right? Um, so I'm curious now, we're sort of showcasing that there's a scale to need for platform engineering crossing paths here. Yeah. So um, what's your take on where do you have to get to to, to maybe get the benefits of an IDP? That's a good question. I think that uh, the scale that you need to get at is not so much a scale in terms of the size of the org as the scale of the size of the product. Yeah, sure. Uh, eventually, you'll get to a point where it doesn't make sense to work on a single product. It makes sense to work on components, on modules. And once you hit that stage, that, I think, is when you can benefit from this. Uh, there was the, the company that I worked at prior to the one that I'm at now was definitely at this point, and uh, we were actively encouraged to, you know, go build modules. Do not deliver features on top of anything that already exists. Please keep everything small. Keep the unit of things the team. And yeah. that, was a really, that was a really nice way of rationalizing it because a team should own a small chunk of a product rather than the org owns this massive product. That makes sense. Um, so you mentioned Terraform. Um, you know, this is a Kubernetes based podcast. Mm -hmm. Do you use Kubernetes? I do. Uh, what, yeah. What's the rest of that sort of stack? Mm -hmm. If you could talk about it, look like. Sure. Uh, so we're actually in our uh, new stack. We're actually very heavily leaning into third-party uh, data platforms. So we're users of Databricks. We're users of Snowflake. Uh, one of the things that our customers are looking for is the ability to run across uh, public cloud offerings okay. because uh, some of our customers, you know, especially in healthcare space, they say, I don't want to do any kind of business with Amazon. Please do not deploy us in AWS. And what's nice about using Kubernetes as the control plane is that, yes, if I'm using, uh, if I'm using very specific resources to a cloud provider, yes, then I have to, you know, make it support that. But a lot of the tooling that we do uh, is very agnostic of that. And I can, I won't say it translates perfectly, but it means that for the custom-built Terraform stuff outside of Kubernetes, I need to get to the point where in AWS I have an EKS cluster. Yep. I need a network, I need you know, all of that. Or in Azure, I need to get to the point where I have an AKS cluster. I have a network, I have some users, some security, some storage, some all of that. And then once I'm there, I can, use, I can reuse a lot of the automation that I've already got across cloud. So it minimizes the amount of repeat work that I have to do. And that's one of the biggest reasons we're using it. I think the other reason is uh, going back to the whole idea of we're a smaller company with a small product. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't make sense for us to have those modules yet. Yep. And because of that, we still want to do segmentation. Uh, the Kubernetes control plane allows us to do that so we don't have to run like like duplicates of compute for every little piece of the stack. We can just sort of co-locate it all and uh, not have to think about, well, here's the cluster for that, here's the cluster for that, here's the cluster for that. Okay. So, okay, now I want to bring us back to the DevOps days conference mm -hmm. that we are at right now, right? Like DevOps, we know the principle is about continuously improving and and, and doing things in a better way. When we were uh, talking to Paul earlier, he brought out a few things that have changed over the years for the mm -hmm. better. What are your takeaways from this conference, seeing how people have gone to sessions, interacted in open spaces, or spoken to vendors uh, in, the, in that area? So what's really neat about DevOps Days, and a lot of attendees, I mean, I'm sure you guys know, but a lot of attendees here don't know that DevOps Days is not a Boston thing. DevOps Days is a worldwide thing. I believe we have about 150 uh, different events. It's massive. And we go to each other's events, and we learn from each other. Uh, that manifested this year in what we called the Organizer Summit. And the Organizer Summit was where we got all, well, I won't say uh, all of the events, but a good chunk of people who all organize DevOps Days events to talk about organizing DevOps Days events. 
and we got some interesting takeaways from that. Uh, something that we're doing completely brand new this year is uh, we're doing this thing called the one-on-one track. Because every year, and we, we've never dug into why this is, we just know that it happens. We get a lot of students, we get a lot of product managers. I don't yeah. understand that one. Uh, sometimes we've had HR people, salespeople, people looking to break into tech sometime, sometimes they end up here. And we wanted to figure out, can we do something for them? Uh, I actually can't take credit for this idea. This was uh, Kate Nakbar, is the, the other co-organizer that I uh, organized with who came up with this idea. And we had, frankly, no perspective on how this was going to work because no other DevOps days has done it. We've never done it. We got uh, three workshop speakers and we couldn't promise them that anyone would even come. We didn't know what was going to happen. And, uh, you know, as the logistics person, I never, I actually do not get to listen to any of our talks. I have to run around. I yep. lose like five pounds these two days because I'm running around <laughs> so much. And anytime that I went into the one-on-one -on -one talk hall, it was packed. People were sitting on the floor and like this was an unmitigated success from what I can tell. I'm really looking forward. Uh, every year we do a uh, we do feedback that we solicit from yeah. all the attendees, and I'm really looking forward to what we hear back from them on that. Awesome. What do you think is driving? <clears throat> I think those one-on-one tracks being so successful is it that we're attracting those students and those PMs that are breaking into it, or or are or do you think that we're finally at, at sort of the maturity of 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 this kind of ecosystem where people are like, oh, I guess I should start to learn this stuff, or is it a little both? I mean, I think it, there are a number of factors there. One is that, yes, we do have teachable people here. I think we're all teachable in some regard, but otherwise we wouldn't be coming <laughs> to conferences. But uh, we did do some directed outreach to people that we wanted to let know we were going to have this kind of uh, parallel event going on. And I think that's what drove a lot of the attendance there. That said, we never really understood why we had so many people who would benefit from that track anyway. And I'm guessing, I, I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing some of that uh, attendance to that track was organic. They were people who would have came any other way. I was actually talking to a couple of folks last night and I did not quite get a good understanding of how they found us. Uh, my understanding is they Googled DevOps conferences and found the next one somewhere around them. Uh, I was talking to someone, uh, I forget her name. She came from Philadelphia. Oh, wow. Uh, because this was the next one and she wanted to get into the space. That's the kind of... Uh, sort of serendipitous discovery that like, if we can, if we can do something for that, that's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing I wanted to ask too is sort of <clears throat> about the open spaces, mm -hmm. right? One thing we've heard consistently uh, with talking with attendees is that this is a big differentiator for this type of conference. It's also something they don't necessarily experience unless they come to a conference like this. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, how do, how do you think those are really affecting how people um, learn or, or what they get out of this type of conference? I mean, I think it's a participatory learning. Yeah. Uh, everybody learns differently. Some people benefit in a classroom setting. Some people benefit by doing. Uh, some people benefit by talking, uh, talking through something until they better understand a situation around them. And uh, this year we had all three, which was really neat. We had talks, we had workshops, and we had open spaces. I'm one of those people who best benefits by doing followed by talking something through. And I think that's the benefit that people are getting. Another thing that I really love about open spaces is you might get exposed to something that you did not intend to get exposed to. Uh, sometimes the discussions that you have in those, you might end up referring to years down the road. Uh, there was a, I, I think one of the, one of the ones that I referred to for a couple of years, and th this goes back to, you know, DevOps was not a known quantity in 2013, 2014. I was at a chef conf, I believe it was 2014. 
and uh, Docker was the new thing, and no one really understood Docker yet. Everyone was like, is it lightweight yeah. VMs? What is this? <laughs> and uh, what was interesting about that is we had a conversation at ChefConf about do we provision Docker containers using Chef? Nice. I think we know not to do that <laughs> yeah. now, but uh, that was not so clear back then. And in having that conversation, I unwittingly prepped myself for when people said to me at work, hey, can we just run the chef code in a Docker container and be in Docker? Yeah. And uh, it really armed me to go have that conversation. But that was years later, and I did not know at the time I was going to get that out of that open space. Uh, sometimes you'll pick up something like that. Sometimes you'll pick up a tool. Sometimes you'll pick up a process. Uh, actually, one of the... Uh, I would say one of the most successful process changes I've ever made in an organization, I got the idea out of an open space. Uh, it, I do, unfortunately, I do not remember what the open space was about, but someone gave me the idea for doing uh, office hours. Mm -hmm. So I want all of the senior people, the leadership on a team, to basically show up in a box one hour a week. Yep. Let people come to you. Let people ask questions without fear of you know reprisal or looking silly in a Slack channel or something like that. And, you know, I didn't, uh, th this person was sort of saying, you know, this is a, this is a really great thing to do. And I had no context for the fact that it was going to be such an unmitigated success in my org until I tried it. And I was like, this is great. Now I'm, now I'm doing talks on it. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. So I, I know you're, you were recording some of the, the scheduled presentations, right? But are the open spaces also recorded and will you be posting those? Nope. So the open spaces are not recorded and that's okay. fully on purpose. Uh, we want those to be safe spaces for people. Uh, people can make mistakes in them. People can yep. say, I don't know something because uh, like I, I'm one of the first people who will tell you, I don't know, educate me. I'm, I'm an idiot. Uh, not everybody is like that. A lot of people don't want to say, I don't know the answer. And we want that to be a place where you can say, I don't know, can you educate me and have it stay there. Yeah. Uh, one of the most interesting ones, this is not a thing that we ran here, but another, a number of other DevOps Days events do it. It's called uh, TalkPay. And the whole idea of TalkPay is we get all of our salaries on a board and we talk about how much am I worth. Sure. If that were recorded, everybody would probably get fired. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's a great idea, right? Like, I think I would appreciate that. Like, just a board, like, different titles. This is what everybody's getting paid. I know you can find that info somewhere on Glassdoor or something like that, but... Yeah. Yeah, awesome. yeah. I mean, on Glassdoor, it's anonymous. And essentially, in an open space, it's also anonymous. I mean, I have, I have a badge. Yeah. But... Somebody is going to remember, oh, yeah, that person makes $500,000. They're not going to remember who, who it was unless yep. they, like, took the time to look at, like, internalize the name on the name tag. Yeah, yeah that's a fair point. You mentioned before that, you know, 2013, people didn't know what Docker really was. And, and now, we're, this is 10 years later. Um, 10 years later, what would be the, kind of your suggestion if you are new to this? Is open space is a great way to start? Is it online resources? Is it, like, where where would you kind of send someone... Uh, to go learn uh, from their home, I guess, mm -hmm. if they're trying to get into this kind of thing, if it's apart from coming to a conference like this. I'm glad you asked that because I'm actually doing that with a number of people here this year. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. Some of the volunteers are my personal friends who are trying to get into this space and or get hired. And uh, what I suggested to them is you need to network. Uh, you need to have these kinds of impromptu conversations. You need to build it yourself into the community. Uh, we had a member of our community named Jason present on stage in a lightning talk today about how you know, he's new to the community. He's found it very welcoming. He's finding a ton of resources and a ton of help in it. And we wanted to give him the platform to do that. Yep. And that's what community is about. We, at the end of the day, are a local conference that can enable that. And we want him to succeed. And now he has the resume experience to say, I presented at DevOps Days. And he's only been in tech for nine months. That's what community can do for you. And that's why we want to enable that. 
That's actually something similar that we do in uh, how we schedule talks here at DevOps Days, at least in Boston. I'm not speaking to all of the events, but uh, we run completely blind talk selection. So when you submit a talk to DevOps Days Boston, uh, you are sort of chosen and ranked purely on your technical merit of the talk. And then once we've built the schedule, then we reveal the names. And, you know, sometimes it's like, oops, we scheduled the same pe person three times and we have to, you know, adjust things. But uh, more often than not, it means things are bubbling to the top purely on the technical merit and not because of any particular, you know, I know that that person's a name. That is not necessarily equitable because it means that you have the most senior people presenting every single time. So we ask some, uh, some more pointed questions in the uh, intake form, like, are you local? Are you underrepresented in DevOps? Are you, you know, a couple of things like that. And we will uh, adjust ratings based on that as well. Uh, so it's not just, you know, how good is the talk? It's a kind of a blend of a couple of different metrics. And uh, but the moral of the story is that the names only come out at the very end. OK, great. Well, <clears throat> I think that's pretty much the time we had today. And I wanted to, uh, again, thank you for coming on the show, Don. And again, being an organizer, thank you again for this event and all the the team and everything you do for this. So it's been a great experience so far. Yeah. And likewise, thank you guys for the time and thank you for attending and thank you for the hallway track. This is yeah, great. Yeah, it's yeah, a, is I know uh, it's a literal hallway track. So yeah. this is wonderful. <laughs> great. Take care. <laughs> Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Kubernetes Bytes podcast. 